Hi, Dr. Kamkar. Hello, Kevin. This is going to be Mental Health 101. So we are going to get down and basic because I think there's a lot of people out there who don't know what depression is, what anxiety really is, and whether or not they have it and whether or not it is serious enough. So we are going through a really tumultuous time right now. How is that impacting the general population? Yes, Kevin, and thank you for covering that important topic. We certainly know that the mental health needs of Canadians has been on the rise with COVID-19 pandemic, of course, right? So with the increase in terms of depressed mood, anxiety, also, as we know, binge drinking, uh, the sense of isolation. And we also know younger adults and parents, especially of younger children, like under the age of uh, 18, and also women as well, have also been disproportionately impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic as well. And COVID-19, we can also view it as a grief. It is, it is grief where, uh, you know, on one end um, uh, of the continuum, we hear about, you know, missing going out or grabbing coffee and newspaper to, of course, missing attending social gatherings to, of course, to the other end, which is having to deal with illnesses and death and uh, losses. And we have had um, to essentially create new activities, meaningful, healthy activities, getting adjust to, uh, adjusted to all the technologies and becoming adjusted to creating a new normal, new routine, not once not twice, but continuously, and to this state because of ongoing continuous fluidity um, occurring, which of course a lot of anxiety, a lot of certainty and all of those things. So to this state constantly having to adjust, but it's also amazing the amount of strength and resilience that we have shown that in almost no time last week, um, last year, that we had to adjust to again to technology and suddenly essentially having to create that sense of new routine and new normal that again, we are continually continuously exercising. Now, in terms of you mentioned about um, depression so first of all i mean normal reactions are of course sometimes we're going to have mood fluctuations uh, that could be depressed mood or anxiety or sometimes again mood irritability or even feelings of anger sadness feeling blue we might also have changes in our appetite changes in you know feeling scattered difficulty concentrating focusing our appetite might change. We might have negative thoughts about ourselves, about others, or about the world. And from time to time, we, we all experience that. These are also normal reactions. But I think that when we talk about here clinical depression, an episode of depression, it's more pronounced. So here we know um, the is depressed mood, but the depressed mood tends to be present uh, most of the day, nearly every day, for at least two weeks. And or this interest or pleasure that we have in our activities or engaging in our responsibilities and so on, it's really down, drastically down. Th Once is, they, go ahead. Sorry, this, this is interesting because, because, and I'm sorry to have interrupted you, no, no. because that's the whole thing is that for someone who's never really considered, do I have depression or am I just sad for some reason? or you know, is, this, is this something I need to get help for? We're experiencing sometimes some new feelings or maybe some feelings we've had for a long time. So let's, tell me first of all, how do I know the difference between depression, clinical depression, and just a down mood? 
Yeah, so clinical depression, again, these are great questions and so important for us to know. So the, the, so again, with depression, so feeling depressed and also feeling down, as we say, like the sadness and the blue, but it's again, it's not necessarily comes and goes. It is more the present. I mean, again, it does fluctuate, could be throughout the day and so on, but it is there most of the day, nearly every day for at least two weeks, but also comes with that is other symptoms we need to look at. Um, and that can consist an episode. So it could be an, as we said, again, this reduced interest or pleasure in activities we used to enjoy most of the day, nearly every day for at least two weeks. And again, changes, it could be in our appetite, uh, low appetite, uh, increased appetite, weight gain or weight loss. And sometimes also often people report increased food for comfort and sleep changes difficulty falling asleep, difficulty staying asleep, early morning awakening, which is also insomnia as well. Uh, but or it could be increased need for sleep to sort of hypersomnia. There might also be this feelings of worthlessness. Energy could be very much a down. Um, difficulty focusing, concentrating, paying attention, difficulty even making decisions. We feel indecisive and of course, suicidal ideation. So in an episode of depression, we experience most of those symptoms, most of the day, nearly every day for at least two weeks. And again, we do notice the impairment the interference with our day-to-day -day activities, responsibilities, and functioning. So that's how we know. Now, what I always say to everyone is, is prevention is important. There's primary, secondary, tertiary prevention. Primary prevention is anything we can do prior to an onset of an illness, prior to an onset of anything maybe coming up. Um, yeah, so, so that, for that, that's like, you know, eating, eating better uh, to prevent heart disease, uh, um, taking vitamin C to prevent a cold from coming on. So there are a lot of people out there who are lucky enough to have never experienced depression. And I think really we need to talk to them as well because they could still be at risk. You could still be at risk. And also we know with the COVID and also the studies and so on that they showed that people who, so it's not only people who before struggle with any mental health concerns. And again, once again, when we're talking about health, health is health, whether we're talking about physical health or mental health. So health is health. But we certainly know because with the COVID pandemic studies have looked at in terms of, yes, maybe if we struggle with any mental health conditions before, if COVID um, has has exacerbated that for some people yes for other people not necessarily but we also know with COVID-19 pandemic it has also removed a lot of what we might call protective factors uh, protective factors can be you know um, engaging in meaningful outdoor activities or it could be um, again any hobbies that we used to enjoy before and as suddenly because of COVID we're not able to engage in them also we have a tendency to measure the sense of self based on our activities so with the COVID, we know that a lot of activities have drastically changed and so people started to evaluate themselves and their identity and then feelings of guilt and worthlessness and so on so we know it has had an impact on everyone okay so i i want to get more about the prevention especially for those who have not yet experienced depression or who have mild depression and but i'm going to jump around a bit uh first I want to talk about treatment. When to seek treatment? How do I know I need treatment? Uh, I, I'm a little leery about calling someone or, 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 or exposing myself, right? Because we still have all that stigma there. Plus, it's just the effort. 
So when do I need to, to get help? Yes, and I love that question. So here's the thing. Before COVID-19 pandemic, we actually had what we call like again, virtual therapy. So it could be again, video sessions, was that phone sessions, but we had that again, the video platform and telemedicine and so on. Obviously with COVID-19 pandemic, that has exponential, like thousands of percent over, and people now have become increasingly more familiar with the virtual platform. And so with the virtual platform, again, is we do know that it is very effective. Um, we are still able, you're still able to see the person, no concern for distance. I mean, obviously it has to be within the province and so on, but, or, or if it's outside province, it's often sticking with the regulations and so on to ask for, for permission. But otherwise, no concern for um, commute, no concern for the location, the distance, and no concern in terms of cost related to, to the commute. So a lot of people, again, there is a flexibility of, you know, the time as well, the sometimes that is present. And people also can do it in the comfort of their own home or finding a private place to do it. But it's certainly there. And yes, we have also noted that um, there is, has been an increase in terms of seeking help and the virtual platform also in terms of um, having um, access to virtual platform. Now, I always say to everyone, um, seek help anytime, anytime. Uh, you know, people seek, you know, contact me and they say, you know, um, I'm not sure if I'm struggling or not. I have some of those maybe symptoms, but I just want to talk to you. I just, can I please see you? I, I want to learn skills. There are certain concerns and problems in my life. I'm actually working, functioning well. I'm productive, everything fine, but I think I would benefit from just maybe problem solving certain matters better or handling certain things better. That's wonderful. That's so proactive. That's building a resilience. That is amazing. I mean, when you think about that, because here I am, you know, I, I hear from a lot of people who say, I just don't want to bother someone. I don't know if it's serious enough, but you're saying it, it there's no level of seriousness. Just call contact. If anything, it's just going to be some maintenance. I, I think that's wonderful. Totally, totally. And um, and so, of course, with the initial consultation, you know, there's an assessment consultation and so on, but it could definitely be no diagnosis, right? Nothing. And then it's still about proactive strategies and about, and, and again, it's proactive, it's preventative. Now, again, prevention works on a continuum. There's continuum um, a prevention care, same as physical model here. So there's primary prevention. So anything that we do prior to an onset of an illness. So the examples that you had given before Kevin are great, definitely self-care, seeking quality support, uh, problem solving, uh, building up protective factors and resiliency, minimizing risk factors. Then there is um, um, secondary uh, prevention. So here we might notice there's either a problem going on, a stressor going on that we need to attend to, or there are actually symptoms, but mild to moderate. So clearly we need to engage in intervention, self-care, resiliency, and treatment, and so on. Then there is tertiary uh, prevention care. So here the symptoms are more moderate to severe. We might have to be absent from work or work accommodation, a collaborative care model, disability management, helping with return to work, and et cetera, et cetera. Let's get back to the maintenance then, um, because there is a very, uh, I think that the, the portion of the population I worry about the most are the people who don't yet have a serious mental health problem right now. And the reason I worry about them is 
because if you don't do anything, the way we're going these days, there, there's there's a chance you could. So we need to get to people to prevent having more people added into this an already overcrowded system. So I want to know what I should be doing today, right now, day to day, just to maintain good mental health. You know, I um, I think that I always like to emphasize that we need to develop our own individualized pathway to self-care, our own individualized resiliency pathway. And it's also about a healthy, balanced lifestyle. Um, and so part of that is, of course, self-care. But what is really self-care? What do we mean by self-care? And they always, I always say details are important. Anything above zero matters, makes a difference. Um, waking up, ideally, we want to wake up at a time that we know we have our day going. So we want to have that. I'll, like leave it to the person what time it works for them. But certainly at a time that is reasonable and depending on our roles and responsibilities to have our day going. We want to make sure, again, emphasizing the mind-body connection, physical health, mental health. I always like to emphasize we need to be hydrated throughout throughout we need to stay making sure we are hydrated throughout the day we want to engage depending on our physical limitations and conditions or any restrictions um stretching exercises as soon as we wake up and also throughout the day it's amazing how when we have uh, fluids so we stay hydrated and any bit of it those stretching exercises few seconds throughout the day few seconds every half an hour it does help with the blood flow and oxygen. Concentration gets better. We can better regulate the emotions. And you know how we say we get like kind of bubbled up and then the tension in our muscles and the neck and shoulder area when we worry a lot, it actually helps to reduce some of this tension that we get. So the slide about uh, stretching and then making sure that we stay hydrated throughout the day. We do know exercise in a natural environment is related to better mood, concentration, sleep, energy. Of course, following up with the medical and safety guidelines, it is around any walking, uh, any exercise we wanna do in a natural environment. It helps to reduce stress hormones and it helps to increase the positive hormones. And we also know through the MRI studies in terms of the reduced, the reduction in activity in the prefrontal cortex area. And that's an area where when we feel depressed, let's say we tend to ruminate. There's a lot of thinking, there's a lot of dwelling and rumination. So with the walking exercise in a natural environment, it has shown to, to lower balanced diet we know the direct impact on again a balanced healthy diet with our mood and our overall health balancing our thoughts um balancing our thoughts putting our thoughts into perspective seeking quality support i also love i mean i always there are a lot of resources that i will have people to people easily can find on breathing technique but um, it, it's always around slowing down our breathing so that we can also calm our nervous system. And one of my favorite skills is the, what we call the grounding technique. It's really to feel grounded in a moment, the present time. So using our senses to be grounded in a moment and present time. The more we are grounded, the more the thoughts and the emotions are also more connected to the moment, to the reality. Because with anxiety, we travel to the future. With When we feel depressed, we might travel to the past with stress into one million directions. And so when we use the ground, we still feel we feel more connected and here it's really around using our senses what do i see here uh, my body touches the sense of smell and taste so 
going outside, you feel the fresh air touching your face, you're having your coffee, you love your coffee, feel the coffee uh, going inside your body. Um, do, do, I love hearing verse, you want to smell the roses, you want to smell the, 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 um, the snow, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Just feel grounded. What can you say to someone who is just ready? They, they feel like they're ready to give up, but but they can't, right? It, it's that it's that being on a ride you don't want to be on, and you keep them. We here in Ontario, we just went through. You know, we're back into some more severe restrictions and lockdowns, and it just seems never ending. We can't see that light at the end of the tunnel. How do you talk to someone and let and give them hope? Because I, I always think hope is probably the most important thing you can have uh, in, in mental health. If you have hope, true hope, you can conquer anything. How do you, how do you try and encourage someone to, see, to, to try and look for hope when we're just bombarded every day with such negativity? Yes, hope is, is definitely the single most contributing factor. Um, and yes, uh, we might feel hopeless, we might feel helplessness. So it's really hope that is important here. Um, sometimes when it gets very difficult, it helps to maybe taking it one day at a time. Sometimes it is one week at a time. Sometimes it is one hour at a time when it becomes very difficult. And setting activities that we might be looking forward to, checking it maybe one day at a time. So you know what, today, I am going to decide to go out for a 15 minute walk. I'm going to take care of maybe those five key things that are important. And also maybe I'm going to make myself a nice meal. This is going to be for today. And we need to look at our tolerance level. Tolerance to stress, tolerance to noise, tolerance to public. So our tolerance level might vary. And we need to look at on the continuum where the needle is. So people say, you know what, um, um, how much I can watch the news? What's, what's the right number, right duration? And I would say, well, I don't know. You need to decide. This is how we're going to decide. Look at the tolerance level on the continuum and where your needle is. Based on that, based on gathering the data, you can come up with the best solution. Sometimes, again, people might say, you know what? For the next two days, I'm going to cut it to the absolute minimal. I need to recharge my batteries to rejuvenate, to connect with myself, and I need to feel the calmness. Wonderful, perfect. Other times people might say, you know what? I'm actually okay, my tolerance is actually good. I wanna be able to be connected to the news or any information for like, I'm totally fine to do it like three hours a day, great. Other times people might say, you know what, right now for this week, I really figured out is half an hour every day, I'm fine. Great, right? So look at where your needle is on a continuum and adjust to it as you see it fit. Remember, everything that you do is normal. It works and is normal for you. These are normal. We don't want to pathologize things are also normal as well. I always say again, we don't want to go from one extreme to the other extreme, right? We want to seek a balance. Now, what is a balance is individualized. Do something that you know works for you. Helps you, makes you feel fulfilled. It's self-care. You feel fine, you feel okay. And seeking quality support, very important. And when you don't know, like, you know, you can, yes, ask for professional help. Those are extremely wise words. But it, it, it is, it's very difficult in practice, but I think that's what the word is, right? Practice, 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 and and keep trying. And if you fail, 
you fall off that horse, what do you do? You get right back on that horse again. Thank you for this, doctor. Thank you so much, Kevin. Now, finding help. For many, it's the first time they have even considered contacting a mental health professional and things are changing. Here in Ontario, there's a service that will figure out what you need and then they help you find that help. Sean Sutterman is with Connects Ontario. Well, hello, Sean. Hi, how are you today? I am well. Okay, let's start first of all with the name, Connects. What does that mean? C-O-N-N-E-X. What does that mean? It's really a play on connections, right? We are there to connect with our clients. We are there to connect them to resources. We really want to be like a good liaison for what OHIP has to offer in mental health and addiction. Let's get the numbers out there right now, right off the top, and then we're going to do it again maybe a couple of times during this interview, but I think that that's the most important information we can get out right now. There are a number of ways you can get in touch with Connects Ontario if you're looking for any sort of mental health help. That's right. So you can reach us anytime at our toll-free number. It's 1-866-531-2600. You can also go online and search for connects with an xontario.ca and connect with us via web chat or email. And when all else fails, you can just search on Google. Of course. Okay, let's get into the nitty gritty. Of course, we have most sectors are reporting in the mental health industry an increase in the need over the last year of lockdown. And you've been with Connects uh, for, for, the, for more than a decade. So what have you noticed over the last year? So the last year has definitely been more about support. As I mentioned, we're trying to connect people to resources and services. And so that's always our primary goal is to have a conversation with somebody, figure out what's driven them to call and what do we have that makes sense for them. Um, But at the same time, people are calling because you know, they've encountered certain types of distress for the first time, like loss of income, relationship, uh, like distress because of having to be home or isolating. Um, and so just people connecting, curious, you know, to know, um, either just to connect because they're feeling isolated, to know what kind of supports there are out, for, out there for them to, you know, help or improve their situation. All right. So... I'm feeling anxiety. I don't know if I should bother you. I don't know if my problem is is big enough. At what point do I call you? I, I don't think you're ever wrong to give us a call, right? If you are considering calling us, then there's something going on. You're curious to know what kind of help is out there maybe. Can things be different? Is something really wrong and going on with me? And so, you know, it's and it's up to you to decide, you know, what kind of help you get and, you know, what you seek help for. So, you know, we're not there to pass judgment on anyone. And I hope that when you called us that you felt that way. Things We try to keep things anonymous so that you're free to share what you want. And, 
you know, I get that question question a lot, like, you know, am I, am I okay to call or how do I know when I'm in crisis? That's a big one we'll get. And if it's a crisis to you, then that's how I'm going to treat it, right? Whether it's something that I might believe is trivial in day-to-day life or unbelievably overwhelming, I'm going to provide you with that support because that's how it's making me feel. You're not a counselor though. And, and, and we want to make people very aware of this. You're going to put people in touch with the right people, but they can't call you just for mental health advice. No, and I, and I think you're, you can tell a little bit in the way that I, I speak that I'm not going to say you need to see a counselor. I'll say counseling is, is a common way that people seek help, right? And here are the options for you. Um, and, and so we try to spell things out that way that it's opportunities for you um, to, to seek out some support or to get a different perspective, whatever, whatever it is you're looking for. Okay, little role playing right now. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call you. Okay. All right. So you you uh, ring 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 ring. Connects Ontario. Bonjour. Hi there. I I'm sorry to bother you. I just I just didn't know who else to turn to. Never a bother. So why don't you tell me like what's brought you the call today or pick my number? I've just been feeling so anxious and it's been like this for the last few days, but today it just seems like, I I don't know. I can't explain it. Yeah. Did something happen today that maybe pushed you over the edge? Um, I, I guess, you know, it was, it was, it was like any other day where I'm, I'm feeling stressed and anxious, but just today it just seemed like my heart started beating faster. Yeah, yeah. Anxiety is overwhelming, especially when you don't know the root cause. We just want to solve things, right? So what I'm here to do is to connect you with some resources for help, okay? So I'm going to ask you a few questions here so that I can help point you in the right direction, okay? Okay. Um, Typically, I would ask somebody if they felt this way previously and what kind of support they've sought out. Hold hold on, Sean. Sean, you are not playing right. Oh. You're not playing right. I'm not sorry. typically. I'm going to ask. Okay. I, I I am acting here. I am in. Uh, I am in my role. Okay. okay so, so have you felt this way previously? Yes, but not as bad as this. Okay. And have you ever talked to your doctor or counselor, anyone about this kind of feeling? Well, I have. I don't have a counselor. I have a doctor. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm on some pills. Yeah, yeah. And so since you've talked to your doctor about the pills, have things changed? Are things different, better, worse? I guess they did for a while, but I just don't seem to be able to cope today. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a few more questions here and then make some suggestions. For okay. Help, okay. So I need to ask where you live, which city or town? I'm in Toronto. Okay. Do you mind sharing your postal code if you know it? Uh, M5G2A1. Okay. Thank you. So a couple more questions about you. How old are you? I am 57. Okay. Do you have any language or cultural needs you would want recognized when seeking service? No, English is, is the only language I know. Okay. So as far as today goes, I can make suggestions for you. I can give you a number for a crisis or distress line where you can connect with a support and insert support any time of day. I can give you numbers for counseling services where you can call and book an appointment for yourself. There's some online programs that you might want to take a look at. Does anything like that sound appealing to you? I like counseling, but I hear there's a long waiting list. So the counseling services that we have in our database 
depending on um, where they're, what service is providing them, there can be a wait. So the hospital-based program for mood and anxiety service is going to need a referral, it's going to have a wait. But a lot of counseling agencies in most communities are trying to make counseling easier to access these days. So you can usually get a walk-in appointment, which would now be virtual or the tele or over the telephone within a day or two. And scene. Okay, here we go. Um, so let's go over that. All right. So I didn't know what was wrong with with myself when I first called in. And so you were able to sort of follow that that kind of a flow chart kind kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. What what did you what would what was your impression about me immediately? Um, that you probably just needed to unload and have someone listen to you in the moment, right? Um, but it, it's not for me to choose. I, I really feel like it's for me to lay out the options and then and then you can choose. Okay. Now, when you get into something more serious where you, you get someone who is a lot, you know, a lot further into crisis, hmm. um, what's, what happens then? So we will screen people and ask if you're experiencing suicidal thoughts. And, and I probably should have asked you that in our in, earlier in our call. Um, but when someone expresses that they might be feeling suicidal, we assess for what's going on. And, and do you have a plan, a timeline? Because people will say, yeah, I'm having suicidal thoughts, but I would never follow through because of family or they have suicidal thoughts uh, with or without a plan. So when your suicidal thoughts with a plan, that's emergency services, okay? And so I'm going to try to connect you to 911, get you connected uh, like, or direct you to emergency, sir, the emergency room. Um, the step in between that, when you are in crisis, anxious, unable to calm down, experiencing suicidal thoughts, very down, but don't have an intent to act. That's typically more crisis, and we'll connect you to somebody immediately because they're available 24 hours a day. And they're a trained crisis counselor. We're going to assess you a little bit further than I would, and then provide you some support from there. They have mobile teams crisis, like places that can go out and meet somebody in the community at their home. Uh, they need their consent. And with COVID restrictions are a little bit different, but you know, they're doing their best to accommodate. So it's not just anxiety, stress, depression. There's there's addiction as well, That's which true. we know has has worsened in the last year. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's alcohol, drugs, uh, prescription medication, gambling. Um, that presents a whole different case for you. It is, addictions is maybe a little bit more clear cut than, than mental health, right? Because, you know, do I have anxiety or don't I? Like, you know whether you're using a substance or not, right? You might not know how addicted or, you know, how dependent you are on a substance. Um, and people have clearer, clearer ideas maybe more of what getting help is like. Um, mental health a lot of people believe it's psychiatry lying on a psychiatrist's couch and talking for an hour and psychiatry is actually very little of mental health treatment yeah it's also very um, expensive yeah yeah and, and that's probably why you don't get hours with a psychiatrist covered by OHIP, right 
Um, with addictions, most people think that it is going away and staying at a 21-day program, that kind of thing. And so we need to educate people on the plethora of community services and addictions and that going away somewhere uh, to stay isn't the only form of getting help. It absolutely is a form of help. Um, and just just letting people make, you know, it's, it's about awareness and seeing what's, what's out there. Um, addictions as far as increase, I can't say that I've noticed that surge so much. Maybe more people correlating their mental health and addictions and realizing something's going on with my mental health and I started using this to cope and it's gone beyond that. I think that maybe people might, like things have started up in the last year because they've used it for coping. How about you, Sean? Um, what do you do? To make to to shield yourself or to 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 guard yourself from all of the, the the human misery sometimes that you must hear from in a day. What? How does yeah. that impact you? Um, you know, I have good clear boundaries, and I try to make that clear to my contact if they like. Some people just really want to unload, or they're really angry, and. You know, you want to support them to a certain extent, but you don't deserve to be abused or exposed to others' trauma necessarily. And so I try to be very clear about the kind of support I'm able to provide for somebody. And then it's also about self-care and, and not self-care in the coping sense like, oh, I'm going to have a glass of wine when I get done this shit. <laughs> It's self-care in the, did I eat a good dinner, right? Like a healthy dinner. Am I getting some exercise? Because that's what's going to help me cope with any of those kind of stresses in the long run. So it's remembering to do that. And we, as a staff team, we, we remind each other to do that. You can tell when somebody's getting bogged down, you need to remind them to take care of themselves too, right? What's the most common call you get? The most common call I would say is one, I need to go to rehab and two, parents concerned for their children. Maybe that's number one, parents concerned for their children, whether mental health or substance use, that's number one. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting too. That brings up a whole a whole different uh, line of questioning too, because now we're talking kids, we're talking family and we're talking you know different different dynamics. You must have an incredible database we do we do it's it's about knowing how people can access services and then directing them to those right so again like you know we look at parents addictions is voluntary there's no forcing somebody into treatment so people can get themselves into some really sad sad states and their family members can be in such distress and, and there's nothing that you can force them to do right and so but even letting those families know that you know, there is a way to navigate the system. There is somebody there to help when he's ready. But there are supports out there for you as a family member. There's a few different options for you to get support and guidance. And reminding people sometimes, too, you're asking people to make a big change. Maybe you show them that you're willing to make some changes, too. Okay. Um, let's remind people, how do we get in touch with Connects Ontario? Oh, you can Google us, uh, Connects Ontario. Our website is connects with an X, Ontario.ca, where you can connect with us via web chat or email. You can even make a, a request for information materials if you'd like there. 
or you can call us at 1-866-531-2600. Sean, thank you for what you and everyone else at Connects uh, does. It is basically the first line of, of defense when it comes to uh, to mental health treatment. Um, it, it, there's such a such a, a, a maze out there of different services and types of services. You were saying earlier to me that, that you have in your database about 30 different, how did you describe them? Service types. So under the different like mental health, addictions, problem gambling, there's all different service types. So I have about 30 different service types that can search yeah. out there. So this is an incredible resource, something we desperately need right now. Yeah, there's going to be some waiting lists on some of these, but uh you know, we at least got to get on that waiting list and we got to find these places. And this is such a wonderful service. I, I appreciate that. And we always appreciate when we get positive feedback and compliments. We often get callers saying, I'm so glad I found you. Like I've been calling all day and you've given me the best information or you've given me the most resources. You know, I wish I found you first, right? And so it is a bit about getting ourselves out there, but then that makes us feel so grateful that, they're, that they've gotten the gratitude that they, they found what they were looking for. We're at least able to find this hub and then people will come back again, right? One last time, give me all the, give me all the coordinates. So we're Connects Ontario with an X. Our number is 1-866-531-2600. You can find us online at connectsontario.ca where you can email or web chat us. Sean, thank you for this. Thank you. I'm just glad for the opportunity to get our name out there and let people know about what we're doing. Spread the word. Yeah, thank you. All the details from this episode are on my website, thehappymolecule.com. Click on links. Thanks for joining me. Until next episode, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and also check out The Happy Molecule Extra at thehappymolecule.com. There you'll find a link to a video version of this episode. Be able to join the conversation about mental health, learn about our Facebook Live show, and get a preview of upcoming episodes. You can email us at thehappymolecule at gmail.com. I'm Erin Davis, wishing you good mental health.